Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous two broadcasts, I was talking about Romans chapter 3 between verses 21 and 26. And definitely the most important thing to understand concerning verses 21 to 26 as well as the whole scope of the purpose of the law, the purpose of the law of God, the purpose of using any law in a person's life is, of course, to direct a person to the point of despair so that they will see that they have a need for the mercy of God. This is what I was explaining in the previous two programs. And one thing that I would like to emphasize again as well is the fact that people have a hard time letting go of the law. They do not want to let go of the law. And I have found on many occasions that I can give a complete explanation to an individual about the purpose of the law, what it was given for, but people do not hear, they do not listen, they do not care, they don't really want to know, they don't really want to understand what I am saying. And the reason why is very simple, and that is because they still truly want to use the law for purposes that it was never intended for. So even though I can give very good explanations and very good presentations concerning the uses and purposes of the law, unfortunately, there are people who just simply want to use it for unintended purposes. And in the previous program, I was explaining that the biggest reason, the number one reason that I keep finding as to why people still want to embrace the law in their lives, the number one reason is because they want to use it in order to attempt to control other people. Normally, what I find is that people have family members. They have people who are close to them who are not behaving in a way that they believe is appropriate. And they are unwilling to let go of the law because they want the law. They need the law. They want to use that law in order to condemn other people because they believe that the more that an individual is condemned, the more they will be motivated to change. And that, of course, doesn't happen. If it would work, if it would work, I would be in favor of it. If it would happen, certainly I would be in favor of it. But we were not created to function that way. Our God did not design us to function on the basis of beatings or blessings. That's not how he made us. And so people have to get in touch with that. They have to be willing to let go of their own perception that they have control. And the fact is that whether they let go of this perception or not, they still have no control. They may believe that they are able to manipulate other people, but they don't. They have no power. They have no control whatsoever. They really don't. You know, people come to me quite often to express their disappointment in what I am doing, as an example. They say, you know what, I don't like the way that you do things, or I don't like what you say or how you say it. 
I think you should do it differently. And they come to me with this attitude, like I really have an interest in what they have to say, like it really is important to me. Folks, I do appreciate the value of different opinions, but I have to be honest with you. I don't do this because I'm concerned about what other people think. I certainly don't do this for the money. I certainly don't do this in order to have a reputation. I have no interest in any of those things. I tell people what the living God has told me. That is what I do. That is what I'm about. And if you don't like my approach or how I present it, that is not my concern. I am not accountable to you. I am accountable to the living God. And there are a lot of people who get frustrated with me because I don't respond in the way that they expect when they tell me these things. They call me on the phone or they see me in person, and I just simply listen very patiently and quietly, and I hear whatever they have to say. And sometimes I just simply stand there and stare at them. And the reason why is because they haven't asked me a question. They have given me no indication that they have any interest in what I think. They're just there to tell me what they think. And so by all means, go ahead, keep going. You know, show me what you've got. But after you're done, go ahead and go on your way and live your life because I've got mine. I have my mission and this is what I do. And so the law in people's lives is very important to them personally because that is what gives them the justification. It gives them the power. It gives them the authority to inject themselves into other people's lives and tell them what to do. That's why people want the law, and that is why people are unwilling to believe me when I tell them that that is not what the law was given for. It wasn't given for that reason. But people do not want to let go of this perceived power that they have, and it's totally perceived. It's a total deception. People live in their own fantasy. That's the proper word to use. It is a complete fantasy. And I'm trying to explain this to you so that you will come out of this fantasy and live in reality. Live in the reality that we are in right now. It's okay. It's wonderful. It really is a joy. So please consider these issues and take them very seriously. Now, the second most common reason as to why people have a hard time letting go of the law in their lives is because it really gives them an opportunity to build up their own personal pride. They really do enjoy having the law. They want to embrace the law. And it doesn't matter what the law is at that point. Anything that they include in their life that asserts what is good or what is evil, what is right or what is wrong. We don't live that way, folks. We live being guided internally by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But there are very few people who are able to experience this, who are able to understand what I'm truly saying concerning that. And this is one of those barriers that keeps people from embracing what he has truly called us to and enter into the life that he has made available to us. This is why I'm spending so much time talking about this subject, because it is a serious barrier. And today I'm going to talk about the importance of understanding that people do not want to have this barrier taken away from them because it appeals to them in another way. There are many ways that it is appealing to individuals. But in this program, I want to spend some time explaining that people can experience a significant increase in their own personal pride when they have the law in their life. 
Let me give you a simple example. Try to imagine anyone that you can imagine, that you can think of, who passes judgment on somebody else. And what I mean by judgment is to say, that person is committing a sin, and that is definitely evil. It is something that God does not approve of. It is something that is a direct violation of the law of God. We know a lot of people who are very good at pointing those kinds of things out. And you know what? They're probably right. I'm not saying that they're not right. I'm just saying that if you can identify an individual who does this, who is preoccupied with doing this, there are normally reasons as to why they do that. Now, when I do that, I don't have a problem doing that. I only do that in order to expose the truth. I don't do that with the hope or with the expectation that somebody's going to change their behavior. I just simply communicate these things so that people have an acknowledgement of reality. Others, however, they're generally saying that for other reasons. They're either wanting somebody to stop doing that, or the most common reason is so that they can compare themselves with those who are sinning. And what is this comparison? What is the purpose of this comparison? This comparison is to say that these are individuals who are not right with God because of what they do or because of what they don't do, but I am. Why? Because of what I do or because of what I don't do. Now, this is the second most common reason. Again, the first most common reason is to try to manipulate other people. The second most common reason is so that you can assert yourself as having greater value than someone else. And what I mean by value can, of course, be represented or understood in different ways. But the one word that I can apply to this besides pride is definitely boasting. An individual is inherently boasting in the fact that they don't struggle with the same sin as others do. That's why they point out the sins of other people. People don't normally say, hey, look at that sinner over there. I can definitely relate to them because I commit the same sin. I'm just as bad as they are. Let's point that out. Let's bring this person forward and really talk about the sin that they are engaged in because I deal with the same thing. We don't hear those kinds of things coming out of people. No, what we hear is, look at that individual who's committing that sin. Let's really point that out because we don't do that. We don't struggle with that. And so let's really exaggerate the point that this individual is not as righteous as we are. So it makes us look better. And we have an opportunity to boast in our holiness We can boast in our righteousness, in our sanctification that we are experiencing because we have decided with our own conviction that we, that I am going to overcome sin in my life. This gives people an opportunity to be boastful. It gives them an opportunity to be proud. This shows itself in other ways, not just in the context of sin, but also in the context of works, of good works. We can look at one group of people and see that they're not really doing a whole lot for their community, for example. But how about us? If we do some things for our community, for the people who are in our community, definitely those people who do not know the Lord, of course, we can compare ourselves with those individuals. And there certainly is no sin being committed, of course. We're going to say instead that we are more holy We are more holy, more sanctified. We are definitely better people of God because we are doing something that is good 
when someone else is not doing something that is good. So it can show itself on both scales. We can compare ourselves with those who are doing evil, and we can compare ourselves on the basis of what we are doing that is good. It is still a life that is lived on the basis of the knowledge of good and evil. And what is the end result? The end result is pride. We can say, look what I did. Look what I am doing. Look at the involvement that I have in the community, in the world that I am a part of. And of course, God is definitely going to reward me for this. He is definitely going to bless me for this. He's going to acknowledge what I have done for him. This is an opportunity for people to express pride. It is an opportunity for a person to boast. Now, we know that this kind of pride is evil. And if I was to confront a religious individual who struggles with this kind of pride, if I was to confront them with this, they would generally agree. Why do I say that? Because I've done this before. I've confronted people many times and I've asked them, does that sound a little prideful? What does that sound like to you? Does that sound as if we're kind of boasting in what we have done or in what we have not done? Is this something that we should reflect on, perhaps? I have asked those kinds of questions of individuals, and they generally respond positively. People normally identify the pride that they struggle with. This is not normally an issue, and they will recognize that it is sin. And so how are they going to overcome the sin of religious pride? How are they going to get past that? Well, it's very simple. What people do is they say that it is evil to boast. It is evil to have pride. And so they will try to compensate for that by saying things like, the Lord has done this through me. The Lord is using me to do this. Or the Lord has changed my heart in such a way that I do not sin. You know, when I say that the Lord has changed my heart such that I do not sin, that often means something very different than when other people use that exact same phrase. It often means something very different. People are often using that. They're saying that the Lord has done a work in my heart in order to try to hide their own personal pride and to try to hide the boasting that they are truly trying to manifest. But when I say that, I really mean it. I really acknowledge with absolute amazement concerning what the Lord has done in my heart. It's very different with different people. It's sort of like when a guy says, I have nothing to wear. What he usually means is that he's got nothing clean. And when a woman says, I have nothing to wear, what they usually mean is that she has nothing new. The same phrase is used by two different people, and it has two completely different meanings. And so you have to be very careful concerning these things. But the one thing that I can say that I find is common with most people who struggle with the issues of pride is that they make a law in their lives where the law says, do not be proud, do not boast. And there are, of course, various ways that you can hide your pride, you can hide your boasting by using phrases such as that. And so there are laws that people put into their lives where they say things like, you must, thou shalt always say that God did this within and through me. That's nothing more than the application or the imposition 
the placement, the usage of a law on top of all the other laws that you live by. It's nothing more than another law that people use. But does it change anything? Does it do anything? No, it does absolutely nothing. Nothing at all because the heart condition of the individual is still the same. How can we distinguish between an individual who would say something like that with true conviction versus an individual who does not? Well, listen, personally, I don't think that this is important. If the Lord should give you discernment concerning these matters, then praise the Lord, blessed be his name. But if he does not, don't worry about it. I just want you to understand that there is the existence of this struggle, the existence of this issue. And the way that people try to overcome their boasting is by putting a law over themselves saying, thou shalt not boast, thou shalt not be proud. That's how people try to overcome that. And I needed to explain this because this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 3, verse 27, where he says, Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. In verse 27, where is boasting? It is taken away. First of all, it's taken away when the law is taken away. That is how boasting can be removed. If you understand that the law has no place in your life after you have been resurrected by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, after you have been born again, after you have been made into a new creation, you are now dead to the world, you are alive to your God, you are dead to the law, you are alive to his love. When that happens... There is no opportunity for boasting. It is taken away. It is excluded. Why? Because of a law? That's why he says, by what kind of law? No, there is no law required. There is no law required to make that happen. He says at the end of verse 27, of works? No, but by a law of faith. There is a law, but the law is not the same as the law of works. It is a law of faith, which means that you are to live by faith, that that is your law, that is how you live, that is what guides you. And what is faith? It is the response to the truth. That's all it is. There is no penalty for not responding to the truth. You can just remain in the bondage that you were already in. The law of faith is the declaration that this is the way things are, that our God has revealed the truth to us and we are to believe his truth. So again, where then is boasting? It is excluded. It is taken away. It is removed. It has no place. There is no opportunity for boasting when you realize that the knowledge of good and evil has no place in your life anymore. Boasting is truly removed by what kind of law? No, because there is no law that a person can impose. And that's what I was talking about when I said that people who are religious will put this law upon themselves to try to remove their boasting. They try to overcome their pride by imposing things upon themselves such as 
if the Lord will do something within and through me. The Lord has done something within and through me. The Lord has kept me from sinning. The Lord has done this. The Lord has done that. It becomes a law to say that it is his work and not ours. But deep down inside, people still believe that it is their work. It is their overcoming, and they're just simply trying to hide it by imposing a law upon themselves to try to hide that fact. I receive comments from people sometimes when I mention that I have made a contribution to the Christian world. When I say that I have made a contribution to the Christian world, people get highly offended by that because what they hear is pride. What they hear is boasting. Now, folks, when I say that, if you're a mature believer, and I know a lot of mature believers, whenever I have said that, they know full well that I am not saying that out of pride. They know that. They have the discernment to see that and to understand that. There's no reason for me to give an explanation when I say that I've made a contribution. Mature Christians understand exactly where I'm coming from and what I mean. However, immature Christians who believe they are governed by these laws in their lives to try to eliminate any opportunity for boasting or pride, they contact me and they say, how dare you say that you have made a contribution? How dare you? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to say such a thing? If any contribution has been made, it is only a contribution that has been made by the Lord, and you have to change the way you say that. That is an immature Christian, because if they were mature, they would know where my heart was at concerning that. When I do feel motivated to respond to an accusation such as that, I normally respond by saying something like, I think you should pray for discernment. I think you should ask the Lord for some discernment concerning what I mean when I use those words. Because if you had any discernment whatsoever, you would not be bringing this up. Don't be ridiculous. Of course I know and I identify that without him, nothing would be possible. I know that. I'm not an idiot. I realize that. I am not confused about these issues. I talk about this all the time, all the time. Why is it that I wouldn't believe it in my own life? I do. I really do. But I'm not going to say that I don't participate, that I'm not an individual, that instead I've been merged with the cosmos. I've become part of the force or something like that. I'm not going to say something ridiculous like that. That is not the way things are. Again, in verse 27, where then is boasting? It is excluded. Well, in their case, they now have an opportunity to boast because they contact me and they say that they have put me in my place, that they have imposed the law upon me, that thou shalt not say such things in such ways. And so they can then have an opportunity to boast. They can go and call their friends afterwards and say, hey, listen, I talked to this guy who's on the radio and I told him off. Aren't you happy for me? Aren't you proud of me? I have an opportunity to boast about that. Some people behave like that. I think it's really bizarre, but that's how people often behave. In verse 28, it says, For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Again, this is a follow-up statement that reminds the reader of the theme that he is staying with, that he is sticking with. And that is that our justification, our life, our everything is truly based on faith and faith alone, and that works really have no part in our lives. Now, when I say works have no part in our lives, I'm not saying that we should have no works. 
What I mean by that, that works have no part in our lives, is that regardless of whether there is the presence or the absence of works, our relationship with our God will always be the same. Because our relationship with Him is truly independent of the works that are manifested in our lives. Now listen, in the midst of that, yes, our God prepares works for us to walk in. Yes, we can make decisions about doing one thing or another thing, and he may participate in what we are doing, or he may not participate in what we are doing. He might make use of the works that we do. He may not make use of the works that we do. I am not removing the existence and the purpose of works in our lives. What I am saying is that our justification will never be validated by our works. We will have no opportunity to boast if we understand that. We will have no opportunity for pride if we understand that. Folks, if you were to look at my schedule, which I record very carefully in 15-minute intervals, you would see that there is a tremendous amount of work that is taking place. I don't need to believe that works are necessary in my Christian life in order to have works in my Christian life. I don't need pride in order to motivate me to do such things. I don't need to do these things to have an opportunity to boast in what I am doing. There really is something totally different from that. There is something completely separate from the issues of, is this what we should be doing or is this what we should not be doing? Is this right or is this wrong? Is this good or is this evil? There's something totally separate from that. And that is that I do because this is who I am. I do because this is who he has made me to be. And if this is who I am and this is who he has made me to be, then he gets to receive all glory. But I am not going to deny, I am not going to deny that I am who he has made. I am not going to deny that. And I am going to rejoice and I am going to enjoy who he has made me to be. And I will live with a full acknowledgement that without him, I would, of course, be nothing. And with him, I still am nothing. And it's okay. And I am thankful. Be thankful and don't be afraid of letting go of the law because it will take your pride away. It will take your boasting away. There is a life waiting for you that does not need to have any pride or any boasting in it. And you can still enjoy yourself, your God, and the world he has made just fine, and be a part of what he is doing, and be thankful. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. 